Welcome to Color Outside the Lines. I'm Krista, and this podcast is for you if you are ready to step out of society's narrative and build a life that is completely aligned to who you are and what you are meant to be doing, and feel safe doing so. Together, we rewrite old programming and create our own stories that guide us toward our most authentic selves. You being you is what the world needs most right now. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Color Outside the Lines. Today, I have a really fun guest on that I know you guys are going to love. Her name is Allison Jacobson, and she is a coach for women in midlife. And she's going to describe exactly what that is during this interview, and I love her description of it. Um, she has a podcast called The Midlife Mavericks and a, a Facebook group by the same name and a book that is also for women in midlife. Now, if you think you're not one of those women, keep listening because her description of it is so good. And I think it's going to apply to you more than you think. So I love this interview. I know you're going to as well. Let's go. Hi, Allison. I'm so excited to have you on Color Outside the Lines today. Thank you for having me. This is I, I love doing podcasts because I get to meet so many cool women. I totally agree with you. And I love having women like you on my podcast to tell your story of coloring outside the lines. Um, that's kind of our theme for this whole season is just telling these stories of women who have gone outside of society's narrative, who have kind of done it their own way and have been successful at it. And so you have a pretty cool story starting from when you were really young about this, right? You kind of started out in theater in the entertainment industry. Do you want to kind of share with us? I do. I do. So, you know, and it's so funny when you talk about coloring outside the lines because I'm now known as the midlife maverick. And to me, that's what a maverick is. It's at any age where you decide to live on your terms, not, not making yourself fit into any certain box. And so... I have always approached life with a question. And the question's always been, why not? And so when I got out of college, I went to college in New York City. I was a theater major and then changed to a broadcasting major because, quite frankly, I didn't want to be an out-of-work actress waiting on tables. And I said, I'm going to go into entertainment industry and said, silly me. But I moved to Southern California because that's where it was supposed to be. And the reality is I hated the snow and the winter. So I'm like, this is perfect for me. So I went out there literally knowing no one. I moved out. I had my cat with me who I brought out with me. I got an apartment and I set about getting a job. And my my first job was a sales rep for commercial directors. And I absolutely loved that. I learned so much about the entertainment industry. I didn't think I could be a salesperson. Like literally those were the days where my boss gave me a phone, gave me a list and said, here you go. I was like, oh my gosh. From there, I transitioned into post-production and I became a post-production producer. I did really high-end commercials. I absolutely loved it, had so much fun. And my bosses at the time said, you know, we need someone doing PR for us. What would you think of doing PR? And I was like, I don't know anything about PR, but okay. So I started writing little things about each commercial and the editing and there's, you know, the trade publications and I would submit it there. And then the funniest thing happened was that other companies started calling me and asking me if I would do stuff for them. And I was like, this is crazy. So I did. And then I realized I had created a company 
I didn't even realize I had, but now I had six or seven clients, post-production producers, editorial houses, music companies, everybody that dealt in the entertainment industry, and I had a business. Now, mind you, I was a theater major. I knew nothing about starting a business. I literally knew nothing, but here I had a business. So I said, okay, well, the first thing I need to do is create a name. And so I came up with the name Creative Exposure and it became known as Creative Exposure. And the next thing I did be, with the money I had, I rented some space. I, again, in Southern California, for those of you who know, it was right on Venice Beach. It was at the Venice Circle. It was amazing. I hired three women to work with me. I knew eventually I would want to move back to the East Coast because my mom and dad lived there and I was the only child. So I also started taking on clients on the East Coast and I was flying back and forth from L.A. to New York. And I truly was living the life like and I had no business doing this. Like I did not know what I was doing. The funniest story was my one of the people that worked for me. This gentleman came in and he was talking about what I didn't know was the sales tax and the sales licensing I needed for Santa Monica. And he said to her, so can I come back? And she said she thought he was a salesperson. And she's like, no, you can't. <laughs> she said it's so sweet. I think he was just so taken aback. It was hysterical. So that was the first thing that happened. And then I was getting married and I was moving back to the East Coast and I had lunch with a friend who had a business. And I don't know, I just find people on the East Coast are a little bit more either practical or pragmatic or pessimistic, quite frankly. And I was like, I've got this business. And he's like, well, what are you going to do with it? And I said, I don't know. I guess someday somebody's going to buy it. And he's like, Allie, that's a lovely dream, but nobody buys businesses from us. Well, literally, I go back two weeks later and I had interviewed a woman to work for me and she just wasn't right for me. And she had gone on to interview at another company, which turned out to be one of the largest PR firms in the world. They had an L.A. office. And two weeks later, I get a call from this company saying we're looking to acquire companies and we'd like to have lunch with you. And literally, that is how I sold my first business for six figures in between getting married and I had said to them, because I had already decided I was going to move back east, this is fine, but you're going to keep my employees on the West Coast and I'm going to move back to the East Coast. I'm 28 and I'm saying this to people and they're like, okay. And that is literally how I sold my first business at six figures. So it sounds like this story, I mean, it's just so like flowy and it just sounds like it was so easy. One of the mantras that I teach my clients is I choose easy world where everything is easy. And it sounds like that was easy world for you, like this kind of time frame. So how did you like, were there any times where like you didn't think that it was possible for you? You kind of had this friend that said to you like, oh, like this doesn't happen for people like us. Did you ever buy into any of that? Or did you always just kind of have this feeling of like, this is possible? I have to tell you, I have always had the feeling this is possible. And I don't think you could be an entrepreneur if you don't have that. Because when you think about how many businesses, I'm not even going to say fail, when so many entrepreneurs stop yes, right before they would make it big and succeed. And I think you've got to have that belief in your head that I can do this. Now, 
there's one thing to say, and, and so I talk about, there's three things, the knowledge, the strategy, and the plan, right? The knowledge we can get. And so say you want to be a dancer, you can get, you can learn, you can go to courses and everything. But the reality is you might be too old to be a dancer. It might not be. However, if dancing is your life, you can teach. There's other things you can do to make yourself happy. And so I think the most important thing for entrepreneurs, like you said, is to find the easy way. Don't keep fighting the tide, ride the wave, which is always my Southern California thing. But, but there's always the easy way of doing things. And the universe puts that in front of you. Life is supposed to be easy. You're not supposed to fight it. Oh, I love that. I love that. So I know that you have had some kind of challenges and roadblocks that have come later in life for you. So when those things did come up, and and you can continue to tell the rest of your story through this, but when those things did come up, how did you hold on to that kind of belief of like ride the wave? Life is supposed to be easy. Life is happening for me. That's another one we say a lot is like life is happening for me, not to me. Um, how did you hang on to that? And then also this idea of the wonder of why not that we talked about at the beginning. How did you hang on to that through these more difficult times? Well, I'll tell you, I went through things that are people's worst nightmares. My first child died of sudden infant death syndrome. My second has intellectual disabilities. I went through a horrific divorce that required me to declare bankruptcy because it was all my money. I then met and married an amazing guy who unfortunately, four weeks after we were married, was diagnosed with primary progressive MS. So I went from being a new bride to a caregiver for my husband, my son, and P.S. My mom lives with us, who's totally spry. She's awesome. But still, I am I'm the caregiver for three generations. And so when my son died, it was the worst thing that could happen to anybody, without a doubt. Um, I found this organization online called the SIDS Alliance, which was so incredibly helpful to me. Like they got me through a horrible time. Um, and then I went to sit on their board for six years before I went on to have my other kids. And I'm saying that for a reason, because as all of these other things happened, the greatest piece of advice I got was from my mom, who said, don't look too far ahead because it's too overwhelming. You need to think minute by minute, second by second, literally just try to get out of bed just take a step, just brush your teeth. And if that's all you do in the first days of, of tragedy and grief, so be it and congratulate yourself. And so I learned two things through all of this. I learned to be very good to myself and that is selfish, which is a good word. I learned to say no to things I didn't want to say yes to. I learned to block out people that were not supporting me. And you'd be surprised going through a divorce. The people you think are going to be there aren't. Um, yeah. And then the most powerful gift I got was empathy. Because I was working in New York City at that PR firm. And after Connor died, when I went back to work, I was sitting on the train and I looked around and I said, I don't know what it is, but every person on this train has a story. Everybody has a pain point. And so if I could find the empathy for everybody and look at everybody in my life and say, they have a story. 
I may not know what it is. And that was the gift I got. And that's what I started looking for was the gifts. And do not get me wrong. I would give anything to have my son back. However, after I went bankrupt, I rebuilt my second company, which is now at six figures. But SIDS Alliance, that company that saved my life, came calling and asked if I would take over as CEO. Wow. And I now, so I have two jobs. I have my podcast, my coaching and all of that is Allison Jacobson. And I am the executive director, CEO of a national nonprofit, First Candle, which addresses sudden unexpected infant death. It's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. And that's that's the beauty of getting through. And when people are going through struggles, I go back again to my Southern California roots. It's like an earthquake, right? I, I lived through the Northridge earthquake. When your life is shaking like that, all you can do is brace yourself against a door and a solid thing over you and wait for the world to stop shaking. It will. It may seem like it's not going to, but it will. And you just need to stand in something solid, whether that's your faith, your family, whatever that is, until the ground stops shaking. I love that. That's so great. And it seems like that some of that solid door frame that you were standing in during this time was your belief that things are going to work out and things yeah. can work out and things can get better and I can get better and yeah. like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think, you know, with my coaching clients, I always tell them to journal because I can look back on my journal now and see that person I was in 1998 when my son died and who I am now. And it's like, oh my gosh. And even my husband, despite the fact that he has primary progressive MS, he is the most amazing man. We have an incredible life together. I also have my life with my friends, my life with my kids, and we do things together, but it is amazing. And so, yeah, I've always had the understanding and the faith that my life will go exactly where it is. I never in a million years thought I would have been doing coaching and podcasting and the CEO of an organization about SIDS. But here I am and here's where I'm meant to be. And every morning I wake up and I love, truly, truly love what I do. And that's because I had the faith to keep going. Now, when I left the PR firm, and here's another one of those why nots, my second son, as I said, has intellectual disabilities. And I knew I couldn't keep doing the business I was doing and be there for him and be the advocate and the support he needed. And so I decided I was going to start a blog about child safety because SIDS is unpreventable and unpredictable, but childhood accidents are completely preventable. And I felt if I could save one child's life, I would have done something in honor of Connor. And so I started a blog and then I decided I wanted to start doing TV spokesperson work. And again, a bunch of people said, that's lovely, but you're never going to be able to do that without a book. Everybody who's a spokesperson has a book. You can't do it. I, I was like, okay, who says? Who, who, who is this person? And again, I said, why not? So I took a chance on myself. I hired a PR person and literally she within two or three days had me on Good Morning America, in USA Today, and the New York Times. 
And all of a sudden I became branded as the safety mom. I then went on to be a corporate spokesperson for a number of companies. I do satellite media tours. I was an on-camera expert on childhood safety. And again, it was because of that. Why not? Yeah. In in the face of somebody saying to you, this is why not, right? Right. They were literally saying to you, I mean, your original, your first story about uh, the friend that was like, oh, well, it's not for people like us. And then you had somebody say to you, oh, well, you don't have a book, right? And that's something that's so important. And especially something we talk about on Color Outside the Lines all the time is this narrative that society tries to give you, right? Like, well, you're this type of person. Well, you're this, you know, you don't have this or you don't have these credentials or whatever. And so therefore, and I think for, especially for women, we, we buy into that narrative a lot because we're like, oh, I don't have, like, I don't have this degree. I don't have, um, this background, you know, and I, and also I don't, um, I don't have like, I'm not perfect, right? I don't have this perfect forward facing image or I don't have all my ducks in a row. And so because we, um, you know, kind of buy into that, like, I need to be perfect before I can move forward. Mm -hmm. And it kind of takes away from this idea that you're talking about of like getting super curious. That's one of the things I love talking to my clients about all the time is getting super curious about the potential and the possibilities. And, and even if it doesn't work out, okay, so what? Right? Right. Right. I mean, so you touched on so many things. And on my podcast, Midlife Mavericks, that's what I talk about, too, and why I say the word maverick, because we can look out there. And, you know, there's so much fear based for women and the imposter syndrome. And like you just said, you know, there could be a job opening and there's 10 criteria for that job. And if a woman sees one thing that she can't do, she's like, forget it. Whereas a man would be like, that's fine. I mean, this happened to my cousin. She um, has a master's in nursing and she was applying for a teaching job, a professorship, but it said you needed a doctorate. So she wasn't even going to try. And she has years and years of experience, nursing, EMT, everything. I said, just put your hat in the ring. Well, P.S. She got the job. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And she had you there to encourage her, huh? Right. And she said that. She's like, I never would have done that. And that is the problem. And especially for women in midlife, it's even greater so of you're too old or there's new technology you don't know or, you know, you should be home, you know, taking care of your husband or whatever it is. And so we really need to get out of that box and say, well, why not? Why can't I go back to school? Why can't I go on trips by myself? Why can't I open my business? And P.S., some of the most successful entrepreneurs started their business after 50 years old. Yes. Amazing. Amazing. So what would you say? And, you know, we a lot of I have a lot of people in my audience that are exactly what you described and they are what I would call career changers. Right. They're people who or they want to be. Right. So they they've they've done it. They've kind of lived the life that they thought they were supposed to live. And now they're kind of asking the question, well, could I do something different? Mm -hmm. But I start that boutique that I've always dreamed about or could I, you know, could my husband and I go into business together and do this thing? So what would you say to those women who are asking themselves those questions right now and they have had a career and they're looking to maybe do something different? So. I, my coaching, I always say I'm part spirituality and part practicality. And 
Yeah. And the spirituality part is, I don't know about you, but I have so many women come to me who know what they don't want. And then I ask one question, how do you define happiness? They can't do it. Wow. And I ask them to literally think about their perfect day down to what are you smelling? What are you thinking? Are you by the ocean? Are you in the mountains? As as really detailed as you can get. Because if you don't know what's going to make you happy, how in the hell can you go after it? And how are you going to know once you achieve it? So you really have to get specific about what's going to make you happy. Otherwise, the universe can't deliver it to you. Now, the other thing is, if you want to start a side business, like I said, you can find the information. You can get educated about that, but you've got to have the plan. You've got to have the strategy. Number one, you got to put it out there. You have to feel as if you've already accomplished it because when you think about, you know, I want to open a jewelry store. I want to be a entrepreneur. How are you going to present yourself to other people? It's going to be more in that kind of needy of, please hire me. This is what I want. Whereas if you've already envisioned yourself as a successful entrepreneur, how are you going out? You're going out proactively stating this is who I am. And so that's what I tell my clients. I give them a challenge. I tell them to go to the next networking meeting, party, whatever, and introduce themselves to three people as the person they already want to be. Hi, I'm so-and-so and I'm an architect or I'm so-and-so, I'm a jewelry owner. And so already starting to to embody who you want to be. And then you got to take that action. It's so easy to, because of imposter syndrome, because of all that, have one slip and say, nope, can't do it. Not for me. You got to keep taking small action every day. I don't care how small it is, but just keep taking action forward and forward because your brain wants you to stay where you are. Your brain, your subconscious doesn't like change. And so it's going to fight you becoming what you really want to be, even though you know this. And so you need to keep taking that repetitive action so your subconscious starts understanding this is part of my natural day. This is safe because I'm doing it frequently. And so that's why you just have to keep taking that repetitive action. I love that. That's so good. And, you know, there's such a, um, you know, we always kind of have that conversation about like doing the mindset work versus taking the action. And I always think if people take the action too early, they will, they'll just sabotage themselves. Yes. Because it's like until you have that exactly what you're talking about, you have that why, you have that understanding, you have that solid doorframe, if you will. It's like you can stand, excuse me, you can stand in that doorframe. And then you can say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take a step forward and it's going to be really scary, but I've got this door frame. It's going to be exactly right. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. One of my uh, ones that I would say to myself, like a kind of little mantra I would say to myself all the time is I'm going to be bad at this until I get good at it. Oh my God. I love that. So I love that. And I would say that at networking meetings, because I would be so scared to stand up and do my little 30 second speech, you know, Yeah, <laughs> as they yeah. all are, you know, I, I some people won't go to networking meetings with me because they're so terrified of that 30 seconds standing up and saying who they are. Yeah. yeah and I just decided like, I'm just going to be bad at it until I'm good at it, you know, and it, and it took the, it took the stress away because I didn't have to be good at it the first time, you know? 
Exactly. Exactly. I just did a reel this morning because I go to the gym early. And again, you know, diet, you know, get, losing weight, dieting, exercising, all of that is always such a big goal for women. And in midlife, you're not looking the same. And so many women are intimidated to walk into a gym because you don't look like everybody else. And so you don't want to put yourself out there. And I did a reel this morning saying, no one's looking at you. First of all, the millennials are too busy taking selfies of themselves and nobody else is paying attention. They're involved in their own stuff. It's okay. That's so funny. Did you ever watch Shit's Creek? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you remember that episode where um, where David's going to go and take his driver's license test and Alexa was like, nobody cares, David. Nobody cares. <laughs> That's what I thought about when you just said that. Like, nobody cares. And they really don't, right? Yeah. It's kind of sad because we want people to care about us, but right. the people at the gym don't care about you. No, they don't care. They're into their own little workout. Yeah. But speaking of that, one of the things that you did touch on is that the thing that helped you, one of the things that helped you get through um, some of these harder times that came up was community around you. And you talked about the SIDS Alliance and how you just really poured into and, and and allowed a community to come around you yeah. um, and support you during this time. And I think that's so important in every area of our lives, not just not just when things are really hard, but right. even when we are dealing with imposter syndrome and self-sabotage and things like that, having a support system to come along. And instead of saying, this isn't for people like you, saying, keep going, we see you, we love you, we support yes. you. And I have a Facebook group, Midlife Mavericks, for the same reason. Um, we talked before about those naysayers, right? Yes. So you've got to have boundaries around them. And some of them are going to be your family members. They could be your adult children who are saying, Mom, I don't know. Do you you're, do you really want to do this? Or it could be your partner who doesn't want his little world to change and doesn't want you to do it. So you really have to put those boundaries up and find those people that are going to support you. You know, it, it's kind of like... Are you going to take advice from someone who hasn't done what you want to do? What is their perspective? How can they even offer you advice? So you've got to surround yourself with those people who have accomplished what you want to accomplish, who are in there with you for it, saying, way to go. Not And, and you know, offering constructive criticism, but being that coach. I mean, I don't know about you, but I have my own coaches, right? I, I, like you said, you need them throughout. And I have different coaches for different things. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And exactly what you just said, seeing somebody that can show you the way, but also can see things that you can't see about yourself and help you to to see yourself in a different way. I always um, I've heard the analogy of coaching is like you're inside the jar and the coach is standing on the outside reading the label to you and you can't see the label from inside the jar. Right. Right. And I think that's so powerful to have somebody willing to say, like, here's the label, like, let's talk about this, right? And it, it's changed my life, obviously. <laughs> and yeah, as well. yeah. Well, I have another analogy for that. I know you're in Dallas, but I'm in Connecticut and uh, we have snow all over. And I was thinking about this the other day because I'm kind of in a wooded area and it had snowed five inches and I'm looking at my driveway and it's covered in snow. And I had to go drive up to Massachusetts to get my daughter from school. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's going to be horrible. It's going to be horrible. I got out onto the main roads. It was clear as could be. Now, in my house, just seeing my little world around me, it looked like it was covered with snow. It was going to be horrible. There was all this, you know, chaos and worry and fear. And then I moved out of my little area 
and I saw it was wide open and clear. Wow. And that's what coaches help you with is to get you out of your own little mind and your little area to see the expansiveness of what's possible. Uh, yes, absolutely. I love that. Okay, so perfect segue. So what do you specifically help women with and who do you love to coach? Who should come to you when they're ready? Oh, my gosh. I So first of all, I always say midlife is not an age, it's a stage. Midlife is when you are ready to start thinking about yourself, remembering that you had goals and dreams before you were a mom and employee and caregiver and all of that. And you're like, it's my turn. What about me? And I'm there to help you remember what those dreams were, get you past the limiting beliefs, the self-doubt, the fear, and set up an action plan with you to accomplish and get your dreams and goals, whatever they may be. So usually that's a woman who is looking to end a relationship or find a new partner, or it's a woman who is you know, having empty nest and now is like, do I want to start another career? Do I want to go back to school? What do I want to do? So it's those women who are just feeling stuck and know that there's something more, but they don't know how to get it. Okay. And if you could leave those women with one thought, one mantra that they can kind of take away from this episode, that they can start, what's a thought that you want to implant into their mind that they can start using over and over again that's going to help them in that journey? So it's it's a little bit of a, a take on why not. It's why can't I? Why can't I? Yes, absolutely. And if you're answering that question and you have lots of reasons why you can't, that's when you need to go see Allison so she can help you with those reasons. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I just see a world and it's not just midlife women, it's women who are just empowered and speaking their minds and speaking truth to power. I know that's a cliche right now, but in the world we're in, we need strong women. I love that. Oh, great way to end this. Absolutely wonderful. How can people find you? You can find me at allison-jacobson.com. I have my book on Amazon, Daily Inspirations for Midlife Women, A Guide to Peace, Joy, Confidence, and Abundance. And you can check out my podcast, Midlife Mavericks, on Spotify and iTunes. Yes, and definitely go check it's wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today, Allison. It's just been a joy to talk to you. And I so appreciate everything that you shared with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. Until next time, you guys, this has been Allison and Krista reminding you that you are so powerful and you have permission to color outside the lines.